0: Here we are again, podcast world chat building back at you with another awesome episode coming your way of this life ain't for everybody podcast remember to keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us and thank you all so much for the downloads the subscriptions the growth of our audience is truly humbling and today's episode is brought to you just like the rest of them straight out of lynchburg tennessee the one and only iconic jack daniels sour mash whiskey enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking but remember to bring jack with you for all of the good times down times sad times high times breakups when you meet somebody and you're all fired up and you got that puppy love feeling celebrate with the jack daniels i can't tell you how many times jack has been there for us whether we're in music city usa los angeles whether we're on the east coast west coast up north in canada we love to enjoy it but we always do it in moderation we always do it responsibly so thank you jack daniels for supporting all of our properties and believing in our lifestyle of living off the land and being the ultimate provider today's guest absolutely blows my mind i've never met her until two weeks ago she came out here with a person that you all know from the podcast, Mr. Paul McDonald. You've been listening to a lot of his music on a- actual episodes of The Foul Life season 12, airing right now on the Outdoor Channel. The guy is an absolute wizard. He's worked with some of the top musicians of our time. He's so humble. And then he brings this girl out named Leah Blevins to the West Coast. They went on what they called the stay home tour. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. But this girl is so awesome. She's a little angel. And I'm telling you when her, when her first word came out of her mouth on the microphone on stage two weeks ago, you could have heard a pin drop in the entire part of Nevada, Lake Tahoe, where we're at right now. Miss Leah Blevins, how are you today?
1: I am good. Thank you for the introduction.
0: You're right so awesome. After. Could you? Uh, is that normal? Like, I, I know that you're so humble, but Paul, like, literally stood there in like awe of every word you were singing that night. He was your biggest fan, even though he's seen every set in the last three months since y'all been on the road two months. But was it normal to get that reaction from a crowd that? I know it was uh, i mean with it's it's covid we had to keep it small 80 people but it was unbelievable to see the response to where like nobody said a word we're usually in a, co- a concert you get a couple people talking because they really don't care about the music i didn't even make an announcement like hey this is about the musicians tonight when i usually do you said your first word in the microphone and it was just pin drops could have been heard and and then at the end of every song it was just a huge applause are you used to that
1: you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think it's like when I'm actually in the in my head and in my emotions. It uh, I think people actually cl- connect more so. Um, but walking into any situation, especially with this this specific tour, it was like a bunch of big, muscly, bur- burly men. It's like you don't know how the reaction's going to be, but uh, lo and behold, I think it's like those everyone's in this um like i was saying earlier just kind of stir crazy in a fog this that and the other so it's like those real raw moments and songs i think is what's connecting and linking people together if that makes any sense
0: no it it makes total sense and i think that it's so cool of having that that face-to-face like intimacy of like from the time you guys stepped into the backyard these 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 concerts this tour stay home was done in backyards and when you and paul arrived in your sprinter van you'd come down from montana through the state of idaho down through twin falls saw a lot of nevada beautiful country where the elk live and the mule deer roam that was a big part of it so your senses are just like so gratifying and it's just like just uh just instant gratification like every time you open the window or smell the fresh air of the mountains out here. But when you stepped into our backyard, we became friends so fast. You were in the swimming pool, your dog was running retrieves, he's shaking off the water. Paul was happy as heck and it, I think that that being able to get around people that you can relax around and take the pressure off from the beginning, I think it just made for a magical night.
1: That's exactly what it was. It was just as soon as we met, we all hit it off and locked eyes and it was just easy from that point on. And then the more people that were like making their way in, it just felt like family essentially on our end, at least. But.
0: And do you, do you, does your songwriting science, uh, brain light bulb go off in a moment like that? Do you find inspiration or influence in a, in a, in a moment like that to where you at least might remember something or the way your body or your mind was feeling at that time to where you might put pe- pencil to paper and, and remember it in song?
1: Certainly. I, I, I went around to a couple people during the night and was just like actually engaging in conversation. Um, and yeah, I'll carry those those stories with me and hopefully have this anthem song by the end of uh, the year that can be, you know, like all of us have a taste and know exactly what the inside little ideal is, you know.
0: So you you aren't from Tennessee, you're from Kentucky and Kentucky has a rich history Of what you're talking about, of being able to write an anthem, be able to deliver a song, some of the greatest voices right now, and not just voices, but songwriters, artists, performers, people that can own a crowd and just sing their faces off. Chris Stapleton, Chris Knight. um, There's so many good, much talent that is out of that state. Tyler
2: Childers.
0: Who? Tyler Tyler Childers, who's on top of the world right now. Um, Is Sturgill from Kentucky?
1: Yes. Sturgill's from Kentucky. Kelsey Walden is another artist. Um, Abby Hamilton in Lexington, Kentucky. There's a, I mean, just any and every person you walk out on your porch, look left or right. Somebody can play, uh, I mean, as good as the next one, you know, they're legendary. Uh, And that's where,
0: that's where bluegrass originated because of the, it's an actual color of grass. I've had a guy named Kevin Mm -hmm. Brooks that's from Kentucky on the podcast and he taught, he makes mandolins and banjos. And I got I got to introduce you to this guy. He would love to meet you and, um, and maybe even make you a custom unit. Like it's, he's really talented. Um, the bluegrass, the Ricky Skaggs. There's a lot of good. I, I've never, I've never really been a big, big um, bluegrass listener until like the last five years, and I absolutely fell in love with j- mainly just because of the lyrics. You have a lot of influence, in my opinion, when you write from gospel, church-going hymns, bluegrass. But then there's this other side of you that is like a like a force to be reckoned with, to where you can go all the way to a Janis Joplin type hippie movement. But then all the way down, or all the way across the spectrum again, maybe in between that bluegrass and Janis Joplin. Then you got Emmylou and Dolly, like just like when. when when I tell people female singers in my life, Dolly Parton's my number one of all time. Like I could listen to Dolly sing the phone book every day. She's so awesome. But there's so many good female singers. It's a, it's a, it's like a mixture of all of that right there where you can hit, you could sit in a church pew and sing Kumbaya and make people go, wow. Or you could be up here doing me and Bobby McGee with Janice. And then you could sit here right in the middle and do islands in the stream and with Dolly and Kenny. And like, is that how you've kind of manufactured or kind of built your, your rapport?
1: I think honestly, to sum it all up, like even this conversation, it's like being able to read the room, being a hypersensitive person and just like, uh, sensitive in their own right of like actually being unafraid to be that way. And it's like, I think more or less I've taken pinches of every hero or artist, whether that be a man or a woman along the way and not mimic it, but just pull something out of it and allow it to kind of seep through with what I hear and comes out of me for that
2: matter. but.
0: So with, with the names that I said, growing up, are you getting influenced daily? Are you a performer at a young age? Are you picking up a guitar? Are you making your mom and dad and siblings sit down or aunts and uncles and listen to you sing a song? Or are they so proud of you? They're like, Leah, get up and sing the national anthem or, or how was it growing up? Was music a big part of your upbringing?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. All of that. And then some, my dad is like this, um, and he was a senator growing up so but he was like this uh, lover of Elvis Presley and karaoke so he would come home from these massive events and we would just sing karaoke and other end of that my mother's side of the family they're all musically inclined through the gospel um realm and and then some so yeah i can i can remember as a kid like probably about 5 or 6 i was kind of bashful uh then but that was around when it started singing in church with my my older sister, who was is seven years older than me, and then I have a twin sister as well. So we had this beautiful three-part uh, family harmony along with uh, multiple family members as well. But uh, yeah, I'd say started young and then um, heard, I can always remember this vividly. It was the Dixie Chicks and the Bee Gees. My mom had these two cassettes and we would ride around in her Black Bonneville and I would try and sound, like humming-wise, I would try and like mimic Uh, Every word of the Dixie Chicks' wide open spaces, now known as the Chicks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's kind of you bring that up. I think what a weird, weird, weird career. What like you go from being probably, arguably the arguably the top female, you know, trio maybe female country band of all time. Um, Natalie can, I mean, amazing musicianship with the fiddles and the guitars, but the songwriting, the, the, the way that Natalie could put words together was almost John Prine ish. And then the politics, and then the politics get in the way and they literally get not laughed out of music, but like gone to where now the world doesn't get to hear them. They've been gone for like 10 years now, if not longer. Now they're back with the chicks. They take the Dixie off of it. Weird, weird, weird symbolism in their entire career to go, to go from top of country music charts to like gone, like just in an instance. And it's just like. It bugs me in a way, even though I, I I'm kind of opinionated in when you should say things and where you should say it. Even though I believe in freedom of speech, there still there are some lines that have been crossed. But you talk about having something taken away. Like I would, I love listening. What is the song where they're like ba- banging on the buckets and they're talking about you got you might be tired but you ain't haggard. You might got money but you don't have cash. Remember that one? Like, but you don't
2: have Hank. think eh? Long time going.
0: Can you do a little bit of that? Do you know it?
2: The rest is long time gone. No, I
1: ain't hit a road since I don't know when. That's a blasphemy that I don't know those lyrics, but that's a great,
0: God, great that song. That was I my favorite you know Dixie that. Chick song. That was my favorite <laughs> Dixie Chick song. Of, I, I mean, they were all great. I absolutely love what they did. But um, <laughs> to hear you say that you were rolling around in a car, listen to Dixie chicks on a cassette makes me feel old. Like that <laughs> makes me feel, old. I'm like, no way they had a cassette. Did they really <laughs> have cassettes? But they did. And, but so you're getting influenced. You're listening to Andy Gibb, and you hear a song from the seventies, like, like, um, you know, the, the disco stuff or some of their love ballads. Like, mm-hmm. um, what's the one that I listen to on the lake all the time about love? How, how far will your love go? What's the big BG song? Help me out. Uh, is your love? How deep is your love? Okay, keep going. What are their big hits? Help me out here. I got the big, my favorite BG song, and I, I'm gonna hit myself for not remembering this because I know
1: I do that all the time. I could sing every word, but I'm horrible with like the title and name. Are and you? I, I kind of am, yeah, shamefully.
0: I, I just can't. That's uh, how deep is your love? Yes, how deep, how deep, is, your deep lo- is
2: your love? How deep is your love? Is that love? what you were singing? yeah <laughs>
0: okay yeah that song holy smokes man i know man but that so you got influence from the a, gr- a great range of voices the melodies that the bgs could hit um so what's going on now you, you what's going on when you're turning 14 15 16 getting your driver's license are you forming a band are you doing what other singers do are you going getting ready for high school you got a band are you in the band in high school are you doing drama what How does it start to parlay to where you get ready to make the, you know, make the plunge into becoming a singer songwriter and even move into Nashville, Tennessee?
1: Sure. Um, I had a band again with my sisters from like age 14 till I graduated high school. Um, And it was called seven feet under. We did like mainly covers, mainly Miranda Lambert. That was all I ever sang. If I did like a, a solo song. And then, to fast forward, it was just like to go to college. There was a music scene in that college town that allowed a bunch of us, what you would say, like outsiders to to join forces and what have you. So i, I got gotten a group singing background vocals for this guy named Elliot. And there were four dudes and myself that moved to Nashville uh, when I was 21. Um, we all just withdrew from college and, and made the move because we were traveling back and forth and like within that region so it just made sense and, uh, moved to Nashville, the band. Um, I was doing a little co-writing here and there trying to get my feel for it. Um, and the band broke up and it was kind of in that moment of like, here is the fork in the road. Am I going to stay? Or am I, am I going to go back to Kentucky and, uh, form that reality? But, uh, so I'm glad I stayed, but all things, uh, everything in that regard i feel like led me to this point uh obviously as it does for a lot of people but um really being i was a background vocalist my whole life never in a million years would i have imagined that i'd be pursuing the artist route of uh of it all and really going for it at this point but um i'm glad i did again to reiter- reiterate that it's like everyone i think it takes a It takes a lot of tests to get your own, um, bold testimony that you can essentially share with the world.
0: I read things that have been said about you, that you talk about testimony and people testify that you have a voice where, and I've heard it even said about Paul that one note and you got it right. Like the the quote is, (laughs) what's that?
1: That's an honor, like, and very—I mean—humbling at its in its own right.
2: But
0: they say that few artists have a voice you can spot from one note. Um, is this fair to say? Like, why do they say that about Leah Blevins? Would the same thing be said about Miranda? Because, w- again, I go back to my 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 opinions is when you hear me on other podcasts, I say there's Dolly and there's Miranda. Like Miranda's the new Dolly to me. She is unapologetic. She is, she is, uh, she's just been there, done that through her personal life, through her upbringing, through her cigarette smoking, through her videos, through her, the way she dresses from the way that she puts bands together. Like the girl is just bad ass. Like a girl that you would love to hang with. Have you, have you hung with her?
1: I have, I feel like we've have similar like circles, but no, I've never met her. I think I, that's like one of those people that you would try your best to play it cool, but give your, allow the person 45 minutes to gain some composure.
0: <laughs> why, why is she so good?
1: Well, I think it's like you said, it's, she's unapologetic. She's bold. She allows all women. She's allotted a, a lot of women who are willing to just truly be, Their authenticity, their authenticity, uh, and and continue to try and beat that, and allow those mistakes to not define you, but again allow you to evolve. And she's done that for um, many generations at this point. You know, I think like the last or her first record was when I was fifteen. It was Kerosene, and she's continued to outdo herself. I feel like
0: I feel the same way, and I think that she has a knack for a few things. She she knows how to write a song, but she knows how to deliver a song. And then on top of that, she knows how to pick the right song. Like when she did the house that built me, like, argue, like such a well-written song that, that makes people go, man, just to look at my childhood home in that way really is what song does to you. And she knows how to do that. She knows how to pick a, 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 a banger that you're just like jiving with, you know, whether it's like, you know. it'll it'll all come out in the wash or a lot you know every song is is, i I talk about how i've picked like personally try to tell my friends like that's going to be album of the year that's going to be album of the year i did it with traveler which that was probably a no-brainer because stapleton's on another level but then i did it with mr misunderstood with eric which when i heard him sing that the first time on the acms i'm like man that's a badass song and then when the album dropped i'm just like wow, this album from song to song is insane. And then the double Miranda album comes out. It might've been vice versa with church, but I'm in Florida and I looked at my buddy Brett Cannon and I said, that's album of the year. And then it wins album of the year. And and she just keeps blowing my mind with every, every time she comes out with something, you're just like, man, like Tin Man just went number one. What a song, right? Like it's what a song.
2: Golden.
1: I know, man. It's like, how are you pumping these out of you? And she writes on, on a lot of these too, which is also pretty notable if you ask me it's kind of a rarity
0: these days. Yeah. So I just think that it's cool to hear about like your influences. I feel like if I had to guess in some of the stuff I've read on you or are, are the dollies are the, like when I've seen Emmy Lou in concert, I've heard her. I, I love what Emmy Lou does. What would you, would you have, um, uh, a package of male influences too that really like growing up with your dad and the it, it would Elvis be one with his gospel roots and being from Mississippi and moving to Memphis and uh, and all of the touring he did and how he lit the world I mean he was the most controversial rock star of all time probably with what he did with civil rights what he did with the sexual movement with mom and dad's not wanting their kids to see his hip movements um, where mm-hmm. did you did you grow up in a family to where your dad and mom would tell you stories like oh man when we were your age Elvis was you know because my mom always tells me about Elvis stories but Is Elvis an influence or what, who are the males that influenced you?
1: Definitely Johnny Cash, uh, Dwight Yoakam, Keith Whitley is up there. Um, This band called Bread. I don't know if you remember them. My dad used to be obsessed with that band. Um, So yeah, there's a few, I feel like I'm blanking right now. And even moving, uh, going through high school and on through college and to the present day, it's like there's, there's um, artists from, Kentucky that inspire me there there's a band called My Morning Jacket. Jim James is just like sensational. You should check them out.
0: Um My Morning Jacket.
1: Mhm. They're oh. all from Louisville and Jim James is just like one of these next level dudes that I mean, he he paves his own road in my opinion.
0: <laughs> and he's the lead singer of of the, My Morning Jacket. My Morning Jacket.
1: Yeah. Is black like, Or go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like my musical taste is all over the place. Like I, I grew up listening to like, uh, heavy, like rock music classical Stevie Nicks is like an idol to this day. And then it's like going through the motions of like past stoner days and listening to, you know, bread and, uh, then the Everly brothers, like there's just a, there's a huge influence, but all correlated.
0: Um, hip-hop at all were you a rapper at all do you like any of the hip-hop i
1: can i can still spit some m&m but i I need to i watched the evolution of hip-hop and that was like the most enlightening thing for me
0: what a great documentary documentary. what a great documentary
1: and you can watch it again and still like receive the knowledge in a different way
0: I've, i've watched it i've watched the whole thing all the way through, and then I've watched certain episodes two or three times. I watched when they got to Nas because I'm a big Eminem fan. Like I consider him the best of all time. I I I was on a podcast yesterday with Randy Montana, the songwriter, and I said Eminem's a genius, and he goes, "Yes, he is. He be." Um, but the Nas stuff when they got to Nas and what he was doing with his the producers he was picking and how he was putting all the sounds together and that first album that dropped like nineteen songs and just took him to a, another level and he's considered one of the best Eric B and Rackham. I, I'm ai love the evolution that whole documentary but I just love my whole life I loved Rob bass growing up I could do it takes two to make a thing go right and all that stuff just the like Fugees I, I, oh
1: my God I love the Fugees
0: I don't know if they're, they're the Fuji's were awesome and. and The Fugees were, uh, they were in the evolution of hip hop a little bit, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I love, I love a lot of, of, of myself. I have a wide range of musical influence too, that I could, I love listening to everything that that i grew up on still i could listen to a quiet riot album i can listen to a cinderella album i can listen to uh, everybody knows i love guns and roses but then you bring up somebody like dwight yokum that literally should be played every day on modern country radio so people and artists that want to make a career in this understand what pure talent is because that dude is Is in the top of all time for me as far as songwriting, (laughs) performing, acting, all of it.
1: Yeah, I had no clue. I was someone showed me that the other day. He's in a few films, you would never know.
0: Man, he was man. This, remember this quote right here? He's like. Uh, how are we going to practice, Randy? We ain't even got no lyrics. That was Sling Blade. He played the, the, the real mean guy in Sling Blade. <laughs> and then he was at the very beginning of Wedding Crashers when him and Rebecca De Mornay are getting divorced. And Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson are sitting there at the table. And they're like, well, we see the half the glass half full. Y'all are seeing it half empty. And he's like, no, baby, you take, the, you take the Sky Miles. And she's like, you take the Sky Miles. He's like, well, I did earn them. And she's like, well, yeah, traveling to see your whore and all this stuff. You remember that scene at the very beginning of oh, Wedding Crashers? We're
1: gonna rewatch it when we get off. This. <laughs> it's the very
0: first scene of Wedding Crashers. That's Dwight Yoakam getting divorced from Rebecca DeMornay. Oh
1: my god! And then he was in he four. Cre- he
0: was a, he was the preacher in Four Christmases. Man. Uh, the other Vince Vaughn movie,
1: Incognito. I wonder if Vince Vaughn has, like, an obsession with Dwight Yoakam music or something. He's like, I must have him in my
0: films. He's got an obsession with him and Billy Bob are tight, tight friends. So um, things that Billy Bob Thornton are involved in, like Dwight Yoakam. There's a new show right now on Showtime or something about that lawyer that Billy Bob plays. And then Dwight Yoakam's in that as well. That's that's Yeah, he's in a new series.
1: I don't have Showtime, but I I feel like if you want to pass your Showtime information along, I'll gladly watch it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my password. I'll have to get my password. Is that legal? I don't know if you can do it across state lines. Well,
1: I probably shouldn't have said that actually. Ah, I don't
0: matter. What are they going to come run us down? <laughs> so the influence you have are like, it's, it's really cool to see how now you start to turn into, uh, the come into your own, I guess you would say of the songs you're writing the songs you're producing. Um, what would you say is how would you describe your music that people can hear right now? And I don't, I want to get into what's going to happen in the beginning of 2021 because I've been bragging. I'm like, dude, this girl, when this comes out, it's going to be like on a different level. Um, but how would you describe it? How, if I was going to, if I was an interviewer and I said, Hey, just describe your music to me, what could I write to my readers?
1: I would, I would say it's, it's emotional and, and raw in um, everyday life experiences, very relatable and a gut wrenching way, but also like a sense of clarity.
0: And the sense of clarity in a song that I listened to today about, um, I I just want to, there's, there's a song called, there's a lot of hype about the EP you put out, the running EP. And there's, there's a song on there called I ain't good that, Mm -hmm. um, the production on it is different from the way i've heard you sing it live so i love both of them but that song is man i don't know like that's a very emotional raw song of what life it doesn't make need to necessarily be a breakup but it, it can be anything that throws you a curveball in life that brings you to the darkest of dark spots and i've been learning that that's okay like s- things can help you get through that but that is okay to feel that way and your friend and my friend brent cobb has taught me a lot over the last two years that it's okay to be down and sad and depressed and in a dark spot because that's life it's not everybody wants to avoid that or sugarcoat it with uh the happy go the happy feeling of a a picture on instagram because everybody's living their best life but nobody really wants to get down and I, and, and maybe it's because if when i'm feeling You know that you know down or depressed or sad. I want to be able to come out of it I want to be able to live that just through me I don't want to have to put up a picture and get somebody to give me a comment like oh Hope you feel better or everything's gonna be okay I don't want that generic pick-me-up from a bunch of strangers all over the world That's why I think that there's stuff that's still sacred Leah Blevins that you don't have to necessarily have out there on Instagram to where if it's a love moment or it's a sad moment or it's a moment that should be authentic authentic to you, I don't want a bunch of people to know about it. I, I want to be able to feel that and not and not disrupt it or or muddy it up by a bunch of comments coming in that people don't really know how I'm feeling. So that's what music does, right? It's okay to be dark. It's okay to be down. So what is that song saying and what what kind of state are you in when you're writing it and getting ready to put it out?
1: It's so crazy. I feel like it it seems like decades ago that I wrote that song, but uh ironically enough, wrote that uh when I was 23 with Paul McDonald. Um he had just moved back to town. I hope he doesn't get mad at me. Uh showcasing the, the actual meaning behind it, but, um, he was going through like a public or uh, a public divorce. And, um, we were just kind of like filling out and I was singing things into the mic, uh, randomly over a melody. And, and a lot of those words just kind of came out with where he was at. And at that time I was in a relationship that was, uh, not really fulfilling and it was more or less my end of saying how I felt and he as well. And, Um, there's this piece of paper that my friend gifted me of Stevie Nicks and it has a bunch of um, uh, dictionary writing on the back of it. And Falcon was listed on one of those um, um, on the back of that sheet of paper. And it was about deceit and actually renewal from that, that moment of despair. So we went with, I'm a Falcon in my sleep. Um, But it's like, again, we all are, to touch base on what you were saying before that, it's like we all are told to like make things picturesque or sweep whatever pain is uh, on the inside under the rug or suppress it. And it's like we're human, you know, and it's it's making those things not so taboo to discuss, I think, along the way. But it's also just, again, being the taking one for the team and not being, at least in my opinion, I'm I'm unafraid and unapologetic to... Uh, show those, all those moments through song or uh, through conversation, you know?
0: And that is why that now that you say that it just brought up another point that I've learned in my conversations with artists like yourself, both of the male and female variety that you don't own that song anymore. That like you came up with it, but as soon as you put it out to somebody like me, you lost ownership of it. Like that's (laughs) my song now, right? Like, like, here's a quote from Randy Montana. That's hilarious in a way he wrote the big smash hit last year for Luke Combs. uh, Cold beers never broke my heart, right? Long neck eyes, cold beer never broke my heart. So Randy writes that song and at the CMA fest, he's at Nissan stadium and Luke is closing out his set with seventy thousand people there however many that stadium holds big and he closes it out with beer never broke my heart well randy's drinking a little bit and he's got his arm around his wife and he's got some strangers to his right and he just leans over to this total stranger leah and he goes hey i wrote that song and the stranger (laughs) looks the stranger finishes taking a drink out of his cup and he looks over at randy and he goes hey i wrote that song and randy goes oh my gosh, what the, that's like the greatest response I could have asked for is like, cause she, you don't have ownership of the song anymore. That guy's literally sitting there thinking, I just wrote that song because the football teams let me down. My girlfriend broke up with me. This let me down. The, but a cold beer has always been there for me. Right. And that's yeah. what song is. You, you lose ownership. So when you're in that position of Paul going through the public divorce, which he's told the, told everybody on this podcast, oh, um, he told everybody about the divorce and we got into it a little bit, but thank god you're there to to be able to put these words down to see what he's going through and so i'm going to ask you if you don't mind can you do a little bit of that one
2: yeah absolutely
0: i love this song
2: thank you i swear
1: who would have thought again it's like the one song little old me um i will do should i just do like a verse and a chorus
0: I don't mm-hmm. care. I love everybody. But you can do a verse and a chorus because I might ask you to play. Do you remember your song, your set list from when, when you were here?
1: No, I made it up as I went.
0: <laughs> well, you might have to sing a few more of those because I, how how pretty is the videos that we got there? Did you have some Tyson, awesome
1: shout outs? What is his last name again?
0: Waldron.
1: Waldron. Well, Tyson killed it. And tell him I said so.
0: <laughs> he will. He listens to this. He's he does a good job.
1: Okay, dear. All right. This is I Ain't Good by Paul McDonald and myself.
2: I'm a falcon in my sleep. Ain't got time for your make-believe. I'm new to the scene. Honey, I ain't foreign. I can make my enemies for myself. Don't need you round here breaking my back. Faithless is my name, and honey I know it. is never good for any hell
0: Jeez. good night when when you did that a couple weeks ago i don't remember if you remember the applause but like people were standing up and applauding like a standing o for that song in that in that little tiny <laughs> backyard that's
1: been my first one, first standing ovation. <laughs>
0: that song is so badass, though.
1: Thank you, man. It, I love to. It's, it, it's so like good. again, it's it's one of those things. It's like you're writing. Some everyone has similar experiences. There's little tweaks and what have you uh, in everyone's story, but essentially we are writing everyone else's experiences. But uh, that one, I think, is timeless for sure.
0: Oh, I guarantee it is now. When, when you start talking about the music business, Leah, and the publishing and, and putting together an album, which you're doing right now, or you have already done it, which we'll get into, I don't know how much you can let out or you can, you can tell us what you want or how much you want, but does an old song that was on an EP that many years ago have a chance to make like this first big release that you're having produced, like it's going to be a masterpiece. Does it have a chance to make it on there?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Maybe not something I've already released in the past with like other producers out of respect, but um, yeah, there's like three or four on the record that were, you know, in the vault that we just opened and brought back out. um,
0: So then, so then the only that, so then what happens is that as your audience grows and your music gets out there more and more to the masses, then you can market it to where they'll go back and research you and find I ain't good. With, mm-hmm. where it was released before but would you ever come out with just like a raw um, just total acoustic just torn Absolutely. apart because that yeah. song that song is so strong with nothing behind it like you in the moonlight the other night and those trees just kind of hitting the wind <laughs> a little bit come on like you can't get better than that that song is meant to be sung with no disturbances do you I mean, agree you're inspiring you agree? me
1: right now to do so you're like what else we got going on mm-hmm. other than to, to work on videos and content and all that jazz. But uh, I would love to, I feel like that's how it all begins for me. is just a, an acoustic guitar and sitting down and actually focusing on what, what I want to say. And so it's all full circle at that point.
0: Well, the best part about it is that we already have it.
1: Yeah. Filled, <laughs> filled with
0: two cameras. We've got the audio capture. We should put, have Tyson put that together and see how it turns out. And then figure out with your management or however you want to go about like releasing that because that that version is really good
1: i feel like any and every person would want an acoustic version of a song it's like so let's i feel like make that happen if we can at least that one little snippet we have or clip we have is is good
0: (laughs) no we got the whole song i want the whole song so when so what year is it now that you that you moved to nashville you're 21 years old and you're in nashville
1: uh, 2012, May Two, of
0: 2012. Okay. So we're looking at eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you meet Paul right away? Did you already know Paul? Was he part of the Kentucky, the movement that went there with you? Or how do you meet Paul McDonald?
1: We were using the same producer, Ken Coomer. Um, and we were, I was supposed to set up rights because I was in the green, uh, quote unquote at that moment in time when it came to songwriting. so, uh, we were at this similar event and I just walked up and introduced myself and that was um two thousand fourteen when we met. Two
0: thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. So this is when you're this is the same year that you write I Ain't Good?
1: Yeah. So same you, year.
0: You met him and they just started writing with him right away.
1: Right away, like the following week. Um we've just been homies all these years until
0: recently what is cool about paul why why does paul have somebody like jimmy ivine saying when you hear paul mcdonald sing you'll never forget it he's one of the kind why does he get to sing with stevie wonder why has he been on stage with zach brown and some of the top acts of today what is special about paul mcdonald that that is so gratifying
1: i think his spirit he's like um his spirit is like undeniably like captivating. Like he's got like that minus that big smile that, that he has when you first meet him, but he's, he's a very genuine person behind the scenes and in front of uh regardless of the amount of people. But uh, yeah, I would say he's just got a, he's got one of those um just kindred souls.
0: So when you meet him, he's, he's hurt. He's like in a bad spot. Is this, hard on your psyche as you guys are becoming homies as you put it is it hard on you to see paul going through this even though you don't really know him yet um because he does have that spirit that you know how big his smile is and you know how sweet of a human being he is but when somebody's hurt is it bringing you down? Are you in a place right now to where you get to be his rock a little bit, and you guys start to build <clears throat> this friendship and this and this and this foundation of songwriting majesty together because of his pain? You start to really be there for him, and you cannot not be there for him.
1: Sure, I mean everything you said was completely accurate. It's like uh, anytime you get in a room with somebody to formulate a song, it's like the most vulnerable. Feeling, And if it doesn't hit right away, then you just find yourself looking out the window for a couple hours. But right away, we connected. And I feel like I'm I'm very observant in a way that I can feel someone's pain through their eyes, essentially. That may be too hippy-dippy. But it's like, a. I think more or less, yes, I, I felt his emotion. And he probably read me as well, because it's like, uh, misery does love company. So you can kind of gravitate to the ones that are like-minded and whatever and feeling they're having, I guess, but yeah, we connected right away and that's why we were able to write that song. I feel like,
0: I think it's so cool to use the word misery too. Not (laughs) cool, but there's been, there's a word, there's something that is, that comes out of misery that I go back to in social media and in today's world, it's so easy to look at everybody's best life and all the smiles. But mm-hmm. even when you take somebody that you think is on cloud nine, let's take the the biggest musicians in the world, the best athletes in the world, the richest people in the world, um, like even Merle Haggard, who is considered by many the best country voice of all time, which he it's hard to argue that. But he had a, he had a line that said, here I am again, mixing misery and gin. And when you hear that song and you listen to it broken down, you're in a honky tonk around a pool table with your friends and it comes on and you're toasting. You're just listening to Merle. But when you break it down, Merle is hurt. Merle is Paul McDonald in 2014 and Leah Blevins in 2014. Think about how, how, how strong song is for Merle to be able to put that down and then here we are in 2020 talking about it and what it does for me to hear it is that it's okay to be sad everything's going to be okay we can get through this but don't rush out of the sad part don't don't uh don't make it generic spend your time in there get in there and and get to know it get to taste it smell it feel it understand what how bad life can be how hard and tough life can be because as much as you want to think that the richest people in the world are always happy you're wrong as much as you want to think that all the best musicians are up there getting people screaming their lyrics at them and, and and getting meet and greets and getting autographs trust me They're not writing these songs because they're happy all the time. The country music, a lot of it was built on sad times, but a lot of rock and roll was too, was built on, wow, man, life can kick you in the teeth and it's up to us how we react to it. But a lot of us try to rush through that part of misery and it's okay to have it where you, it's the, it's the, the process of coming back from that. That's going to make us appreciate life that much more. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, certainly. I think it's like you're, I love everything you're saying. Like that's exactly how I would voice it myself in a lot of ways. It's like if you rush through something uh, just to kind of get on the other side, it will come back around and bite you in the ass. I mean, that's the inevitable, but it's like, if you take the time to dissect whatever it may be that your your tribulation, again, that's the test in, in whatever testimony you, uh, you choose to voice but it's like again at the same token we on this journey this this journey of of this this life that we're all in we'll see the good and the bad and the in between and it's like to avoid that would be kind of uh resisting what's meant for you in my opinion so it's like um no shame in that. I think it just, again, makes us stronger people and, and more compassionate, hopefully, at the end of the day.
0: Because a lot of times in life, Leah, when you start breaking down life, you, you, I, heard, I remember being young and hearing people say, take this time to work on yourself. Where a lot of people rush in, like if, let's say a breakup happens, a lot of people have that, that wiring to say, I need somebody else in my life right away. I have to jump right back into something and and let them relieve my sadness, let them be there, let them, you know, try to be right back into a relationship again where I've kind of gotten I had I I had the mindset of though that advice long time ago, take this time to work on yourself. You can't you can't take a broken person or your broken psyche of yourself and jump right back into something and think that it's just going to be different than it just was the first, the last three years or however long this prior relationship was where I see a lot of people like, Oh, I'll be fine, bro. I'll be fine. I'm, you know, I, this one's awesome. This is the new one. I'm just like, no, like chill, man. Like this life is about individuality too. You, sure. you have to work on your foundation. And if you get broke, if that foundation gets a chip in a brick or the pipes start to leak a little bit or, or it starts to cave in a little bit, You've got to take the time to rebuild that and work on yourself, work on your home, your body, your temple. And people forget that of, of, of your, all you're really doing is setting your mind up and your psyche up for failure again, because you didn't take the time to really evaluate the misery and the sadness and the loneliness and the depression and the darkness. Like I want to sit in a dark room. Like Brent Cobb tells me and goes, just sit there. And think, get to know yourself. You don't have to reach for your phone. You don't even have to have somebody laying by you all the time. That's what the road has taught somebody like you or Brent Cobb or myself is that I wake up in a lonely room of a lodge or a hotel or a camper. And I often think like, man, I'm lonely. But then I I, I get my feet under me 30 minutes later and I'm like, I feel better. I'm going to take this day on and good things are going to happen because I am learning how to process that bad, that sadness, which isn't bad. It's not the bad part of life. It's just sad. It's loneliness. I'm learning how to process that. And that is what I feel is a big part of songwriting. If you can't process that loneliness, you're not going to write a good authentic song. You're going to write some cubicle country song that's going to be pushed out and get a lot of money of it, a lot of money behind it to try to go to number one. But it's not going to make Chad Belding out in Lake Tahoe go, oh my God, that's me. That's taking my breath away. That is not to bring up that song, but that is like that is what music is supposed to do. It's supposed to let you process who you are and what our meaning and reason is. Right.
1: Absolutely. It's the one thing that we all, again, to, to be cliche, it's the universal language. And it's like, if, if one person came to me and said they didn't have something like some connection or musical, uh, attachment to like a memory, then I think it'd be a lot. It's like, um, I think, I also think it depends on the person. Cause some people are able, like you look at a doctor, they can just shut off and go perform. It's like, it, I think within every job description, you have to kind of put on the helmet and, and walk in. But, uh, yeah, I think more or less, um, you hit the nail on the, or hit the, what is the expression the nail on
0: the head? Yeah. You had it right. Yeah,
1: there you go <laughs> with, with everything that you just said, it's like, um, I would I would much rather hear a song that's going to bring tears to my eyes for whatever reason, whatever that speaks or says about me. But um, it it is about like the the experiences that we we all have and aren't afraid to speak about for the sake of others.
0: And so you think the authenticity of your songs comes from those times where you're processing the experiences that life's throwing at you?
1: even in the, the the thick of the moment. Yeah, absolutely. More so every time. If I, I, I want to say more or less that um, if I sit down and make it like a job, then I end, I end up resenting the idea of writing. So it's like, I live by this quote, expectations are preconceived resentments. I don't want to resent something that has brought me so much joy, but it's also like, I can't uh, again, force myself to write something. it's it's more or less the experience or something that's touched me or inspired me through someone else's story.
0: So when you start talking about the other side of life of the the self gratif- gratification, um, let me think of how to put this to where we can get on the same level here because you're a singer and a songwriter. I'm not a singer and a songwriter. But Mm -hmm. I'm an artist in a different way. I try to paint a picture or tell a story through a different way. When you start to get some success, when you start to taste success, do you ever, with your soul, this is how my psyche works, Leah, is I almost compress it. I almost oppress it and push it away. I almost ricochet it off of me, a compliment or something that's going to put me in the limelight or the spotlight of when somebody's like, man, what you're doing is really unbelievable. I'm always like, Oh, it's, it's been pretty cool. Like I I almost like deflect it. Right. And like ricochet it and just get it away from me. Like I have this, like I want to have like this superhuman power to not even want to hear that kind of stuff. When in reality, if me, if you and I can sit here and talk about life and sadness and processing that, then how do we turn around on the other end of the spectrum and not be fake or phony but be humbled and you you uh, authentic about success and whatever comes with that how can we accept a compliment in a very authentic way when that person is really trying to tell us how they feel about us. If you're in a, if you're in a suppressed situation or a sad situation, you're telling yourself, I'm sad. I'm trying to, I'm growing from this. Well, how do you turn it around on the other end of the spectrum, Leah, and say, well, thank you very much. That means a lot because you're almost so shy and I'm almost so shy to, even though I'm not a shy personality, I'm almost like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to even ask me what I did last night because when I tell you, you're not going to believe me and I don't want it to become like what's being talked about. Does that make sense to you of like when you start to get a little bit of success?
1: I think that's modesty in its own right. And uh, it's, it's a practice. I think if, if you can attest to this too, it's, it's been a daily practice for me to accept compliments, but it's, it's not someone else's baggage it's only on me. So it's like, um, yeah, I think it's I I pray for humility. I feel like it's something you don't just uh you, you're not just granted that. It's it's a daily practice. And I think also to touch base on what you were saying, it's like I also never want to lose sight that we are all from the same seed, from the same cloth. We are all human beings with lung in our ear. <laughs> Uh, air in our lungs and uh, I just think it's more or less I'm not trying to I don't need fortune or fame so I'm not going to allow that to intimidate me if someone else has it is pretty much my motto
0: but will you be able to accept it when it happens with an optimistic outlook on your career and as talented as you are and as young as you are and with what this album that's going to come out in the beginning of 2021 which we'll get into before we end this conversation Will you be able to accept it or does it make us do things that we would have never done if we could have just stayed on the path of growing and trying to achieve success and trying to climb those rungs of the ladder with everybody going, go Leah, go Leah, you're making it. You're But now all of a sudden Leah makes it. And now it's like she's not that good. She, she, now you got critics coming out of the woodworks. Are you going to be able to take the critics? Are you going to be able to take the success? Because there's a lot of sadness and I'm trying to bring this all the way back to what we talked about 20 minutes ago. There's a lot of sadness that comes with, the, the success and the riches and the money and the awards and the Grammys and the red carpets and the limousines and the champagne. And there's a lot of success that, or, or a lot of sadness that comes with celebration and success. Oh. There's a lot of artists that have not understood that, in my opinion, and it almost tears them down to whether it becomes abuse or whether it becomes too much self gratification. Mm -hmm. are you with how humble you are and how simple you are and how sweet and tender and and innocent you are and shy, what's going to happen when you blow up and you have to walk up in front of hundreds of thousands and millions of people on TV watching you accept a Grammy and you talk into the microphone and you can't just sit there and go, I know that we're all cut from the same cloth and the same seed and the same air in our lungs. You're going to have to say, I deserve this in a way you have to be confident in accepting that success. And I think that is hard as hell. And I think that that's what brings a lot of sadness too.
1: Sure, man. I I feel like it's, it's one of those things, uh, what I'm willing to share with others. It's like no one knows what I feel as though I've earned from the behind the scenes efforts of growing on, uh, the internal aspect of things. I feel like no one knows what they would do in any given situation until they are given that, that opportunity. I've, I feel like for me, um, in order for me to obtain and successfully maintain what could potentially happen with this next record or in my career, uh, I have to stay in that boat, in that mindset of yes, we are all human beings at the end of the day. I would accept what is given to me because I earned it as a person and an artist. It's like, uh, it takes a ran, a very rare person to endure this path of just subjecting yourself to the world essentially. Um, but yes, I know that I could, I will step up to the plate
0: nice. every single time. Nice. And do you feel in your psyche that it's coming?
1: I do. I think I've been in this um, preparational season for a, a, a while now, um, and like everybody else, there's so much uncertainty. It's like I don't want to. I don't want to get too too much into the future tripping aspect of things. But right now, I feel like I'm being prepared for something greater than myself.
0: And do you think that when it happens on that given night, when you get the word or? whatever the success might be, who's the first person that you talk to? Is it Paul because of what happened starting in 2012, 2014 timeframe? Is it mom and dad because of the karaoke's and the Elvis and all of the inspiration? Who is it that you call first Assuming that you're going to be by yourself when you get the news that hey, we this just happened or this just happened with the album or the cut or the single or whatever. Who when you get that big success in the next year, who do you go to first?
1: I, I would say uh, confidently my sisters and then my papa, for your
0: sure, si- and then mom sister- and dad shortly after. <laughs> so do do you when you talk about your sisters, do you? bounce a lot of your ideas and your life and your personal life off of them still, even though it's through phone? Are you guys that tight and best friends to this day, even though there's distance now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think even more so now that we're all uh, at this age in life and um, just different paths. But yeah, I I think more or less it's like that bond can never be broken. And musically, um, I owe all the credit in the world to them for me being where I'm at today.
0: What are you thinking then? I want I want to get into another song from that night. What were you thinking when you were not just that that particular night, but how does an artist l- look at a fan or a potential fan? And I think you've already said it. Is it just that your honesty is going to come out and then it's up to us on how we accept it?
1: That's all. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I no one would ever expect again to walk into a place with all your friends are these massive muscle bearded guys for someone to just sing from where I'm at. You would never anticipate that to be the case, but it's like, again, just being honest, being real, staying true to who you are is the only, I think successful way. If you want to use that term, or if I want to use that term, uh, to go about it. And then organically people actually do are much more drawn to that than this facade that, uh, People have put money
0: behind. Do you know the only complaint that I got about that night? Do you want to know what my only complaint about Leah Blevins that I got was? Oh, Lord, let's have it. It was kind of a positive complaint, but I heard from at least 10 people that they were irritated that you didn't have more merch.
1: This
0: is an issue <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was,
1: I'm aware of. <laughs> I was
0: getting calls saying, Hey, do you think she has shirts available somewhere? I really want to support her. I want, I want more of her merch. And I was like, cause I I set up your merch table for you and Paul that <laughs> night. And I'm like, I, I think that we're going to need some more Leah Blevin shirts. And sure enough, people are like, we need to get them. So I think that <clears throat> that's one thing that we, uh, that we got to get coming pretty soon. Leah's a a, a pretty good selection, but that's the only, that whole night, everything that went into that night was like from the food to the,
2: the, the,
0: the what?
1: Hendrick is a beast for sure.
0: Him and Skidmark did awesome, huh?
1: Oh yeah. They're great people too. That was like a meal for a,
0: a queen. That they, uh, they love doing it and they're, they're so supportive, but they, you know, they can't quit talking about that night either. There's just some nights that happen to where you're like, can we ever relive that? Can we ever do that again? It's like, hopefully we can, but will we ever get that feeling back? There's even songs about that. Like, can I ever get that feeling back? Because when it's over and the next day happens and you're, and you're cleaning up and you're like, you know, going back to life, Mm -hmm that's another thing that the psyche has to deal with is you're just, it's life. You got to go back to life. We might have that experience again. I've seen it with celebrities too, to where when that night's over and they're back in the hotel room watching a and E or whatever, they're, it's, they're just a normal person again. And like all that momentum and all that adrenaline's gone. And some people can deal with that and some people can't. And there's just all of these different emotions in song that come from success and then success breeds sadness, sadness, and being able to accept it and build off it and being resilient and, and, and trying to get back to success or happiness or even just level ground again that's what's so badass about life is that people just look at it as going through the motions a lot of the times when i'm trying to like really dissect how things happen because if i didn't do that my life would be a freaking circus like it's just a whirlwind like i look down at my phone today and i'm like is it really already august 13th it's been two weeks since you played here already and it seems like it was last night our lives, my mom and dad always said, wait until your life goes by fast. And I'm like, nah, it's going to be good. This summer should have gone by slow with COVID and everybody staying okay. home. You would think it would go by slow and our lives are flying by, Lee. It's like the, the, you, you, you you got you to stop and pump the brakes and go, man, how special and magical was that night? And I don't want to get away from the ability to do that because I don't want it just to be another night. And that wasn't just another night, right?
1: That was an amazing like the entirety of the day was just like, a, I think one for like the books, but it's also just knowing that once you do hit a certain age, you got about 20 minutes here on this earth. If you really think about the, the, um, just the legacy of it all, you know,
0: do you like the hat I'm wearing? I love the hat you're wearing. Mr. Brent Cobb, legendary. Let's talk about him because I try to touch on this in all my I, podcasts. I
1: don't know him at all. I've never... Him in person but i do commend him on his writing skill and his music is is got me through some tough times
0: he's amazing isn't he yeah man
1: even
0: awesome. paul says brent cobb's on a different level and brent and paul mcdonald's on a different level for him to say that you're like brent must be on a different level
2: yeah
0: all right what one what, what what let's do let's do one more song before we continue our conversation are okay. you drinking are you drinking coffee this morning or mimosas or how are you rolling in nashville on a thursday all
1: right. I am drinking water. I'm trying to get my body back on track. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Living in
1: a van is its own beast, man. (laughs) Talk about psyche. Um, This song is, I'll I'll do Beautiful Disaster. This is going to be on the the new record.
2: too late different directions you turn cold so i drove south didn't leave my baggage behind no it's always with me cause you know misery works best with company am i day, conspired by numbers with a smile on my face, was it real or fate, our life and evermore, cause I can't own what I let happen, darling I'll love you forever and
0: Awesome.
2: Thank you.
0: Inspiration behind that one?
2: Uh, I was
1: spending time with a fellow, like uh very uh, nonchalant, and he had just gotten out of a divorce. And um it was like just the story of him like leaving London where he moved and then came back to he's from Kentucky as well, and then moved back. And so that's where some of that uh came from essentially not even my story his
0: (laughs) but you wrote it I did write it do you do a lot of co-writes Lee or do you write a lot on your own
1: I had a pub deal uh in 2016-17 but since then I just stayed away from that I wanted to like really learn the guitar properly enough to play and and write for myself uh just kind of burning at at both ends and needed a break I want one though. I
0: need a plug deal. <laughs> okay, well, it's coming, I would imagine. But so, what is what do we have to look forward to going into the fall, winter, and the beginning of 2021, and hopefully, 2021's much better. Even though everything happens for a reason, and we were we, we had to deal with 2020. There's a lot of lot of uh things, a lot of curveballs thrown. What's going on though? What do we have to look forward to? What's the announcement? Is the the album's coming out when?
1: We are hoping it will be out April of next year, um, release a single three months prior to that. Um, And then the record will be out, tour and play arenas and see the world, preach the gospel.
0: Do you have an idea of what your first single will be? You don't have to tell me. I know that you don't tell me, but do you know Honestly,
1: what I'm leaning towards? I've got a few ideas. We're kind of actually doing the back end of all that right now and getting things uh, where they need to be as far as who we really want to work with. And I say we uh, in as in my team. Um, but yeah, it's like, this is the fun part. The record's done. Um, and we're just waiting to, to cross the T's and dot the I's at this point.
0: And who's your team? Who's working on this? Who's producing it? What studio?
1: Um, So I recorded uh, within last year like a couple sessions. We did uh, like 15 songs, narrowed it down to 10 uh, at this studio in Dallas, Texas called Modern Electric. Um, And Mr. Bo Bedford and uh, Jason, they're both just amazing dudes that run the studio. Baby Snakes, he, um, as well as Paul Cawthon, who uh, has taken me under his wing and has been a champion in my life, like a brother for, gosh, like six years, five, six years now. And he produced it and uh, sang and wrote on the record, too. So Paul Cawthon and Bo Bedford, pretty much, um, these are their songs now.
0: <laughs> Why is Paul Cawthon so good? Is he so? Is he the Ross guy in music?
1: He is the most creative, and this is not just saying it because it's like I, I don't have anything to win by saying it. It's like he is one of the most creative brains that I've ever been around, and he's just like this boisterous, big personality, like a Chris Farley. He could act if he wanted to. He's just he's he's solid. Talk about next level is is my.
0: What's your favorite song by him? Gosh. Could you pick one?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, I need to dig or delve a little deeper in his catalog, but slow down is one that I love. Um, and seeing these these uh, shows live, his shows live every night is again just like damn um, inspiring. And his band, those guys are just top-notch uh, musicians as well.
0: There's a song that he did called uh, "Can't Be Alone." Mm-hmm. That I I probably listened to it like 30 times in one night. Like that song is so uh, he's really really cool. He really, cool. like, just so creative and different, just different. Nothing but also that, that you...
1: authentic country. It's like the stuff that we grew up listening to, or our grandparents listened yes. to.
0: Why kinda... can't that? Why he should be on the radio every day?
1: We talked about this. It's like that, just actually feeling like with Stapleton and Sturgill and and people staying true to their own voice and not trying to be anything else. It's like it's 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 definitely. I think it's being. Uh, exemplified and definitely enhanced at this point. Everyone's wanting to kind of draw back and really soul search and find what the truest part of them is at this point because of those artists.
0: So when you say that, will this album be country with all of your influences? Is this going to be a Leah Blevins country album?
1: This is a Leah Blevins country record. um, And I'm, I feel like, at the rate of things, it's going to get uh, to a point where it's even more country, if I have any say in it. But yes, definitely a country record, full-length record.
0: Wow, I can't wait. And will there be vinyl?
1: There will be vinyl.
0: Can I please have a signed one?
1: <laughs> yes, you will have the first one, I assure you that.
0: For the studio. Yes, sir. I'm so excited for it.
1: Thank you, man. I'm excited, too. This has been a long, long-awaited thing, and it's it feels good on my end, for sure
0: what um when you when you start talking about touring are you are you thinking that there'll be a twenty twenty one tour that we'll be able to see you out on the road and
1: yeah, that would be that's the that's the goal I think it will all hopefully pick back up god willing um to a point where we can at least play festivals or maybe not festivals maybe small clubs at this point i think is the we'll do baby steps at this point small clubs would be ideal um next year but Again, nobody has it's all speculation at this point
0: yeah, um, I think a lot will change soon i'm 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 praying and hoping and yeah, all of that stuff. You can see the doors opening behind me. Do you remember this room?
1: I do remember that room, the whole you, spot
0: the, you see them oh up. there
1: you go is so that something
0: um, up. is Tom here that's clay
1: hey, Clay. there he is Hi there. How's it going?
0: Good, how are you? I'm good. Back in Nashville, I see.
1: Back
2: home,
1: yep. <laughs> we, Fine. uh, I know, we started the trip in Texas, Tyler, Texas, and ended in Dallas, so it was like this inner circle that we had essentially made, so it was nice to, to get back home and, and settle back in.
0: What'd you do in Texas? Did you have a show?
1: Yeah, we played in Austin, and we played um, in Dallas. We stayed at this, like the Virgin Motel in Dallas. It was like a thousand dollars, not top deal. So it was pretty badass.
0: <laughs> it Took all You took all that merch money and had a blowout or what?
1: <laughs> we actually didn't have to pay for that room. So, uh, even more so.
0: Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> I'm teasing.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear the record. If you get a little uh, audio file of it, send it over so we can check it out. We won't release it. If you have one.
1: We'll do. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, Leah
1: thank you so much i feel yeah. like this is just a, a hang
0: it's always First just a hang, hang. We'll do it, i want to do some more leading up to the release of the record
1: dude you guys are stuck with me we're a lifelong family <laughs> at this point
0: I'm, well, Busy I'm, glad.
1: Too.
0: I'm glad that tv better start having foul life episodes on it
1: <laughs> Dude, look at this thing it's massive
0: when can we use a song of leah blevin's on the foul life do you have any publishing rights that we can use one
1: i have all for um my last ep so there's like a an upbeat song called god help me that could probably be pretty cool i'm sure if you did it the right way um
0: do you own the publishing on i ain't good
1: i don't not yet i know man i know that's the goal all
0: right that is miss leah blevin's find her music on all of your platforms right now. We're so excited for a new album coming April of 2021, hopefully a tour in 2021. And we're going to have new merch available on her website soon, according to this podcast, because there are so many upset people at our show out here that didn't get one, but it was (laughs) awesome. That night was magical. I'm so glad that we got to know each other and uh, experience that together.
1: Likewise, much love to you all. Um, I feel like we'll make our way back through hopefully sooner than
0: later. No, we will. And we'll get to Nashville too. This has been another episode of this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us. Jack Daniels, thank you so much for supporting us. And we love having you by our side more times than not. But of course, in moderation, never allow underage drinking. Always enjoy Jack Daniels, Tennessee sour mash whiskey responsibly. Tom hit that button. Leah, we're going to go out with one of your songs. What song can we go out with? Which one? Give us one to go out with. Say God, help, God help me. Tom, this will be Leah Blevins, Tom and Jake, Leah Blevins, God help me. Thank you all very much for joining us for another op- awesome episode of the podcast.